Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Thank you, Perio. Thank you, worship team. I want everybody to get your Bibles out. Uh, I want you to get, well, however you open your Bibles, whether it's through tablet, through a good old-fashioned Bible. Uh, and um, I just want you to go ahead and release uh, the Word because I feel a heart, my heart is burning with these messages. I wrote a book two years ago on these principles that have not been able to edit at all. It's on the side, it's on the back burner um, because we launched the church. So the Lord interrupted uh, my book planning uh, with uh, the launch of the church last year. But it took me two years to write a book on inner healing and personal awakening. And 80% of the material that I used for inner healing and personal awakening came from the Sermon on the Mount. Now, so I want to pray, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, but before we do, I want to I pray and then I'm going to give you a recap because I guarantee you if, you, if you listen with ears of the Spirit, in these next couple of months, your heart will be rent in a good way and your heart will be alive because one of the greatest inner healings and personal awakening that I've ever taught on, that I've ever really seen, comes from the Sermon on the Mount. Character building, personal awakening, and personal revival come from the Sermon on the Mount. Are you ready to receive that in the next couple of weeks? I said, are you ready to receive that? So let's pray. Father, I ask that you would release the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of you. I pray, Lord God, that you would anoint our ears to hear, that you would anoint our lips, that you would anoint our hearts and mind to understand and receive the principles of this great Sermon on the Mount that you preached, Lord God, in front of thousands of people. I thank you, Lord God, that this is the constitution of the kingdom of God that you want to impute in our hearts. So, Father, I pray that there will be a, an anointing to preach your word with signs and wonders and that great fruit will follow in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Now, I want to, I want to recap just a little bit, but I, I want to confess something to you. The Sermon on the Mount, especially some of these Beatitudes... It is so powerful, but sometimes the reason it's powerful is because it's not popular, and it goes against the grain of American Christianity. Today, in the beatitude that I'm going to talk about, it is not a very uh, hallelujah, amen type of beatitude. It's a gut-wrenching type of beatitude, and it's hard sometimes to preach that when you know that it's in the natural a little, a little tough, but if it's tough in the natural, that means in the spiritual, it's going to cause grace fruit. Why? Because if it's tough on our flesh, that means that's good. And anytime we talk about what I'm going to talk about today in several churches, people misconstrued uh, the message uh, of, of what, uh, you know, of this beatitude that I'm going to talk about uh, as something uh, co like condemnation and stuff, but it's not. I want you to realize that what the Lord wants for his people, it requires action and a crucifixion of our flesh. Can I hear an amen? And this is all a setup to get us to that place. Layer by layer, God is stripping things out. So uh, to, to, to get back to what I was saying is that the Sermon on the Mount is, uh, like I told you, is the longest lasting sermon of Jesus. He continues. A, a preview of last week. Last week we talked about the poor in spirit uh, uh, being the first beatitude. We also talked about that the eight beatitudes that Jesus starts his sermon with is conditional 
in uh, con- conditional in nature, not unconditional. We must understand that if we're going to understand the Sermon on the Mount, especially the Beatitudes. That means uh, it, it, it's not automatic. Say amen. That means in order for you to reap the benefits of the Beatitudes, we have to submit to the reality of these Beatitudes in order to reap them. It's not unconditional. If it were unconditional, Jesus would not say these things, blessed are those, blessed are this, blessed are that. It's very conditional. In other words, you got to do something and posture your heart in order to receive that. Can I hear an amen? The second thing that we talked about is that they are progressive in nature. That means these Beatitudes, but through the eyes of Revelation, They build on each other, so you can't have the fourth one in fullness, so to speak, without first starting and having a revelation of the first one. The first one is being poor in spirit. Now, what did we talk about last week being poor in spirit was? Being poor in spirit is not being poor financially. That's not what God is talking about. Being poor in spirit is a revelation of our spiritual condition that we are spiritually bankrupt to produce any godliness in our own strength. That is the key foundation to the Beatitudes. And Jesus starts speaking these eight Beatitudes, and these eight Beatitudes are like seeds that God wants to put in our heart so that the maturity of Christ and the character of Christ can, and the freedom of Christ can be inside of us. And he starts with, blessed are those who are born in spirit. Basically, that's the revelation that we desperately need God, and we can't produce anything good without the holiness of God, which produces dependence. Now, I'm going to read from chapter 1 through verse 4, and then I'm going to harp on the second beatitude today. So buckle your seatbelts, and I'm going to give you scriptures, and it's an invitation for you to say yes to this. Can I hear an amen? Think about Jesus having 20-something plus years to prepare for this big conference-type setting. Yeah, he preached before the Sermon on the Mount. He preached, repent, the kingdom of God is here, and he preached in little pockets. But the, but the Sermon on the Mount was one of the first major sermons that he articulated with great degree, okay, uh, uh, on, on, that, on that one day when he had about 5,000 people gathered and he chose to start off with the Beatitudes. Think about that. He could have started the greatest sermon with something else. He started with the Beatitudes. Now, lot, now watch. Here's where I'm going to go to. Let's go to um, the, the book of Matthew. If you could turn that with me. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. If you could put that on the screen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, we are going to go there. And if you're there, everyone said... Amen. All right. So take notes. And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. Now look at this next one, the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I'm going to say that again. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. Now, I want everyone to look at me. Because most of the time, the body of Christ, and I say this in humility, when we read that scripture, we think we actually, most of the body of Christ does not get that scripture right. We think Jesus is saying that when someone dies, that's, what, that's when we're going to get comforted. Or when something bad happens to us, we're going to get comforted. Now, let me pause and say this. Do we get comforted by God when something bad happens to us? Now, do we get comforted by the Lord when we cry out to him when we have a loss of a family member or a friend? But this is not 
solely what he's talking about there. I'll tell you why. There are a couple different types of sorrows or mourning when it comes to the, the, the scriptures. The first mourning or first sorrow in the script, uh, it, that's mentioned in life is a natural sorrow. Say natural. So the natural sorrow is what I just talked about. When you lose a loved one, when you lose a friend, when something happens to, to a friend and, and you grieve over that, that's human. That's normal. Watch this. I'm going to get somewhere. You're going to shout in just a second, hopefully. That's a, natural, that's a natural mourning when someone dies and you grieve over them or when someone gets hurt and you grieve over them or, or something of that nature. That's natural. Now, that is not what God is talking about here. I'll tell you why. Because if Jesus was talking about natural mourning only, then there would not, not be a need to mention it at all because then everyone would be blessed who, everyone would be blessed who mourns for someone. When the church focuses on this scripture, they mostly focus on the last part where it says comfort right? But Jesus didn't just didn't, didn't say those who mourn will be comforted. He said blessed are those who mourn, they should be comforted. So watch this. Do, do people that don't love the Lord, let's say atheists, do they mourn over people that, uh, that, that they have lost in their lives? Yes. Does that make them blessed from the Lord when they're going against the Lord, they want nothing to do with the Lord, yet they mourn over somebody that has lost? Yes, they may be comforted, but they're not blessed. There's a difference between being blessed for mourning than to be comforted for mourning. Do you hear that? So God wants to comfort in our mourning, but he didn't say those who, who just mourn are going to be comforted. He said, blessed are those who mourn, they should be comforted. Even, even Satanists or people that don't want anything to do with the Lord, they mourn over loss. But that doesn't mean God calls them blessed. So there's one type of mourning. There's a natural mourning. God is not talking about that only here. There's then the number two, there's the unnatural mourning. The unnatural mourning is very destructive because it does the opposite effect of the intended desire of what God instituted mourning to be. The unnatural mourning is depression, cutting yourself, suicidal thoughts because of pain. Because of some loss, then there's unnatural mourning where people go into, into condemnation. They go into cutting themselves. They go into suicidal thoughts. Definitely that's not being blessed. So Jesus is not talking about natural mourning here, and he's not talking about unnatural mourning. There is no particular blessing giving, given to someone who is, uh, who is suicidal or cutting themselves because it's unnatural. Unnatural mourning is destructive, and, that, and God wants to heal that. But if being blessed were to do the opposite of our health, then that would be ludicrous, Right? So then what is Jesus talking about here? Jesus is talking about a spiritual mourning. Are you ready for this? <laughs> He's talking about a spiritual mourning that is the correct response from our revelation of being poor in spirit. So mourning is the, no, poor in spirit is the revelation of our nature. Mourning is the actual response to that condition. What mourning does is a high, it's the response of our revelation of being poor in spirit and true mourning produces. Here's the part where I told you it was going to be tough and it's not popular. It produces repentance. Every time I talk about repentance, I could feel the enemy saying, don't talk about that. That's not good. The people is not going to like that. They're going to think you're beating them up. And no, that is the worst lie that we could believe from the enemy. 
I'm not saying that we go on a guilt trip every day and, and beating ourselves up with the head. No, what mourning is, look at your slide. Spiritual mourning is the correct response in our lives from the revelation of being poor in spirit. True mourning produces repentance. What? Watch this. True mourning comes when our separation from God and our sin comes to us and we realize that our separation and our sin, are you ready for this, is hurting the heart of God, which produces mourning. A lot of people repent not because they are mourning for grieving the heart of God. It's because they got caught with the hands in the cookie jar. There's a lot of people that repent because it's the right thing to do or because they don't want to go to hell. Don't make me preach this early. There's a lot of people that repent for the wrong reasons, but it's not because they hurt the heart of God. It's because maybe they have a position in the church, and if they continue in that lifestyle, they won't be no longer in the position that they're in. But not one time there's a mention of I am mourning because I'm hurting the heart of God, and I don't like the distance that I have between me and God. And so spiritual mourning is a, is a reaction to the fact that I'm, I'm not okay being at distance with God. And that my personal sins is separating me from that connection with God. You say, well, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's right, nothing can separate us from the love of God. But we could distance ourselves from God because of our sin. And we could distance ourselves from God because of our pain that causes us. Deep pain causes distance, and we mourn spiritually for that. So watch this. When we see differently, we respond differently. So when you see yourself as poor in spirit, the correct response is not like, wow, that's a big deal. No, it's like, oh, and the mourning comes as a form of true repentance. True repentance can never be true repentance unless there's first mourning. Mourning over your own sin. I know that sounds hard. I know it. I know it is. It, it, mourning over the fact that our decisions are separating us from God and our own decisions are causing us to, be, to hurt God. Here's the shocking part. Most Christians could give a flip or even thought about that. They just focus on God's grace so much that they're like, well, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. I'm going to keep on uh, fornicating or I'm going to keep on gossiping. I'm going to keep on stealing. And I'm going to keep on being in this addiction because God forgives me. And I know God forgives me. And you're right. God forgives you. But there's a difference between repenting and mourning because you're hurting the heart of God and repenting because you don't want to lose stuff. You don't want to lose a status. You don't want to lose certain friends. So I'll just, I'll just say a quick little prayer. And that's the same thing with the, the, the quick sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer is not a one-stop shop just so you can say something real quick and then keep on living the, the life that you want to live. I have news for you. When you give your life to Christ, your life no longer is yours. His belongs to Christ. The old man died, and the new man is rising up. That's why we're having a baptism today. Because there's so many people that's like, hey, I could continue to do whatever I want. No. You can't. You could if you want, but you're not going to walk in the fullness of life. Because the, the word, listen, the word Savior is, is, is meant, mentioned about 60-something times in the Scripture. The word Lord is mentioned over 250 times. Where do you think God puts the emphasis on? Lord means ownership. Savior is I'm saving you from your problems. But is he truly Lord over your life? And so, so the, the, the response, mourning basically is this, is the response that we have when we realize we're poor in spirit. 
You know, it's funny because in the Old Testament, when righteous people would, would encounter sin, or they would encounter something that hurts the heart of God, hear me, this is about a relationship. Hello, church. This is about a relationship. Can I just be real honest with you? It should hurt us if we have a relationship when we're willfully going astray from God's word. There's, as, a, as a matter of fact, here's a little clue to, to let you know that, that your heart maybe needs a little bit more tenderizing. If you could continue sinning without conviction, there's a dangerous place to be. There, that is a dangerous place to be. Ah, don't worry about it. It's okay. God, God loves me. He does love you, but your heart is in a dangerous place. Because you're not mourning over your sin. You're not mourning to the fact that it hurts the heart of God. We have got this all wrong. We have such a defensive Christianity that we feel that that's why Christianity to many people is boring. Because we preach a defense. No, I can't look at that. Can't do that. Can't do that. Why don't you do that? Well, because I just have to. Because the pastor said and because God doesn't like it. How about because it hurts God? How about that? I don't want to grieve my Lord. How about when you're gossiping and you think that you're actually saying something right? How about that grieves the heart of God? We think, we think sin is just the sexual ones and, and, the, and the drug ones and the cursing ones. But how about talking, talking bad about someone? See, I only got two amens. I don't have time to tell you in Proverbs, and we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of that. But when we do, own it. And, and, and realize, Lord, I don't want this. I don't want this in my life. Because it hurts your heart. And whatever hurts God's heart, it needs to hurt our heart. We need to like what he likes and hate what he hates. You know that, right? And so, so when the, the Bible in the Old Testament days, when priests and, and, and righteous people would, would encounter sin, you know what they do? I'm not going to do it and show you my six-pack. Six <laughs> they would tear Listen, they would tear their garments. They would tear their garments. Right? But it's a tearing is symbolically and prophetically speaking of it is painful. This is painful. So they go, oh, and they would put dust over the head. That's the only way that they knew how to express pain for their sin back then. Now there's a, a, another type of rending, which is the heart, not your clothes, is the heart where it says, Lord, I admit I am far away from you, and I'm not happy about that. It's okay to say, no, I'm not okay with the distance, God. I want to get closer. I'm not okay with my compromise. Forgive me. And listen, when you do this, when you stop having the, 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 the defensive Christianity and start having an offensive Christianity, not offensive, offensive means you, every decision that you make when it comes to righteousness is fueled by your love for God, not out of duty. Years ago, I was getting a haircut years ago from a, a, a barber that didn't know the Lord. And he goes, come on, George. And he knew me from high school. He's one of the only ones that knew me from high school. He goes, why can't you drink? And why can't you? He, it's all that, that, that defensive Christianity without relationship. I can't do that. I can't do that. No wonder why it's boring to people. That's not what God wants us to look at it as. It's because a relationship with. So watch. So he goes, why, why can't you drink? Why can't, does your religion forbid you to do that? And I love it because I, I was proud of myself because I answered a question with a question just like Jesus. Jesus was so gangster that he answered a question with a, with a question. He's like, oh, really? Well, well okay, I'll answer that. What, what, what authority do you have for, for, for baptizing people? Okay, whose coin is this? <laughs> he, 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 kept, he kept talking. So I said, okay, I'll answer you if you answer me. He goes, okay. I go, when you get home tonight, this is a true story. I said this. I was much younger then. 
I said, uh, do you have a girlfriend? Yes, I have a girlfriend. I said, I want you to think and plan to purposely hurt her when you get, when you get home and then come back to me. <laughs> that's a bad analogy, but that's what I said back then. He goes, that's foolish. Why would I do that? I go, no, just, does your religion forbid you to, to do that to your girlfriend? He goes, no, I don't have religion. I said, okay, so does your belief system prohibit you from doing that to your girlfriend? He goes, no. He goes, that's stupid. I would never do that on purpose. I go, why? He goes, well, because that's just stupid. I go, why? He goes, because I love her. I go, that's why I don't go to the clubs. That's why I don't drink. And that's why I don't start cursing. It's not because it's a bunch of legalistic stuff. It's because it's hurting my God. And I love him too much to sever my relationship with him. Am I perfect? No. But if I do mess up, and I have messed up often, because I have a relationship with God, it hurts me. And it should hurt you. It should hurt you because that will produce mourning. And as a matter of fact, you know what, uh, you know what, what happens in the scripture? True spiritual refreshing and awakening happens after, say after, we mourn and repent of our sins. True spiritual awakening. Here's a clue. How many want spiritual awakening in their lives? <laughs> You're like, yeah, no, I don't, like, I don't know if I should raise my hand. You want spiritual awakening in your life? Come to a place where you truly mourn over your sins, over your pain, and repent to God. And he'll say, it's enough. Come, and I'll cleanse you. Watch. You want refreshing? I'm, ser I'm serious. Do you want refreshing? Look at Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Look at what it says. Now, now, now before you read, it's going to be up on the screen. I'm just going to give you a backdrop. Peter just finished talking to all the people that were in awe of the great miracle that happened with the lame man that was born lame started walking. And they came to him, to Peter, and they're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. He's been lame all his life. And Peter, in a sense, before this scripture in Acts 3.19, he says, hey, guys, why are you so uh, uh, enamored by this, thinking that we did this in our own power? It's the name Jesus that, that and power in his name that resurrected this guy. And then he, then he flips the script on them, and he goes, it's you guys who killed the prince of life. Now, now he's turning. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine I'm in a message, and I'm like, you guys killed Jesus. So he's, he's, he's bold. He's like, you guys, he goes, Pilate was willing to let Jesus go, but you guys wanted him dead. Now watch. So he's, they're getting gripped by their own sin. Look at what Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says. He says, repent. Therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Are you ready for this? So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Refreshing comes as a release faucet from heaven when we posture ourselves to admit that our own sins or our compromise are hurting the heart of God. But what it does, it turns the faucet from heaven to give you spiritual refreshing. Refreshing comes when, when it comes to our, our mourning time. Do you realize that this is the key to personal and international revival? Do you realize that this is, there's a prayer meeting that we had here on Tuesday night a couple weeks ago. And those of you who were there, it was the most epic. Uh, we started, we felt, we, felt we, we had to start with repentance. 
And so we repented, and we said, God, here we are. And for like, for, for about 45 minutes, we, we said, Lord, forgive us. And we stood in the gap for even ministers, for, for prostituting the gospel, for trying to get it for gain. Lord, we for, ask you for forgive us. Again, it was no condemnation. We just realized that we wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that there's things in all of our lives that we need to get right. Guys, I don't know what happened next, but all of a sudden, this wave of refreshing hit. Because we came and we truly mourned over our sins. And that particular prayer meeting, I will never forget, it was, we were on the floor, I was crying. There was such a deep presence of the Lord. He, watch this, watch this. When we think of the second beatitude, blessed are they that mourn, they shall be what? There shall be what? Do you know the Lord gave me a revelation? You know what the Lord meant by being comforted? It's not just, you're going to be okay. Yeah, that's true. He's going to do that. But you know what comforted means? That times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. That's comforted. How many of you want to be really comforted by the presence of God? Listen, it's okay to say, hey, I've missed it in some areas or, or, or my relationship with, with other people has caused me grief. And I don't want the distance anymore between me and God. And you mourn and God says, thank you. The faucet of refreshing is being released. Do you realize that God still wants us to address things that hurt his heart. It's not preached on Sunday mornings very often anymore. Because we want a seeker-friendly message. Tell me what I need to hear. Tell me the, tell me the good stuff. Tell me that I'm going to get a boat and, and God's going to bless me with a house. And tell me that, I'm, that, I, that I can live any way I want and God's still going to be okay with it. No, he is not. He's, he's not. Amen. But if we don't have a relationship with God, we will be forced to do mechanical repentance instead of repentance that really truly is fueled because we hurt Jesus. In my, I used to see this scripture years ago in John 14 where Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. You know how I used to interpret that? I used to interpret that as prove to Jesus that I love him by doing all the commandments. And it makes sense. If you love me, obey my commandments. Okay, yes, Lord, I love you, so I'm going to make sure I don't do this. I'm going to make sure I do this, and I do this. And I started realizing as I read that scripture, even though I had the right mindset, there was another additional revelation that God wanted. He, I read that over and over and over again, and finally I read it one time, the light bulb came on like the cartoons, right? And I realized that the Lord was saying in John 14, he says, love me and you will obey my commandments. This is what he meant. If you fall head, over in, head and heels in love over me, you will do my commandments. Because your commandments and your execution of, my, of righteousness is based on you loving me. Not because you have to. Oh. See, that is the fuel for Christianity. We obey and we love because we love God. Personal and international revival begins with mourning. Put that next slide up. Personal and worldwide revival begins with true repentance, and true repentance begins with mourning over our own spiritual condition. Look, look at me for a second. There's a lot of uh, uh, people in the room, but especially in the charismatic movement several years ago, there's so many people watching. You're going you're, you're to enjoy this, but I'm going to show you something in Scripture. How many times have you, that you guys have been in church for a while, have you heard this phrase? God is going to pour out His Spirit on the last days. God is going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. By the way, that's Scripture, right? How many of you heard that? God, in the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit. One person has heard that. (laughs) 
in the last days, says God, God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your, and, and your maidservants and all this stuff. And you're like, wow, God is going to pour. He's going to do it no matter what. Do you know that there's a condition for that outpouring? Do you know that the Bible says that we, we quote scriptures halfway. We, like, we take the scripture over here, but we don't read like the ten verses before. And so, so we take this verse out and we go, God is going to pour out his spirit. Yes, but look at Joel. I want, you to, I want to prove it. Joel chapter 2. I want you to first see. I want you to first look, look, look at Joel chapter 2 verse 12. Now look at this. Are you ready for this? Ready? This is the recipe. This is the recipe. Now, therefore, now, by the way, there was a lot of sin going on in the land at that time. People were rebellious against the things of the Lord in the Old Testament. And so the, all the leaders called a solemn assembly. They called a gathering. And this is the recipe. This is the recipe. Are you ready? It doesn't make sense. I, I know I'm not going to get in a lot of amens. It's okay. This is a hard message. I, I, don't, I, I'll be honest, I didn't want to preach this message, but I, I have to. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. If you just look at that, you're like, wow, what kind of God is that? He wants us to cry all the time. He wants us to mourn. No, he doesn't. He says, this is the recipe to get me and you back together. Because there's a separation, and sin separates us. Whether we like it or not. He says, therefore, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and with mourning. Keep going. So rend your heart. Not, not your clothes anymore. R tear your heart, in a sense. And not your garments. Return to the Lord. That's why he's saying that. He doesn't want to beat you up. He doesn't like you to be at distance with him either. He's jealous over you. He says, return to the Lord. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. Look at verse 14. Who knows if he will turn and relent. That word relent means turn. And, and leave a blessing behind him and a grain offering and a drink offering from the Lord. Now, now, now look at this before you get the, now you think, oh God, why do you want us to do that? Why do you want us to come? Because that is the recipe for getting our, our spirits right, our hearts right, so that true revival can come. Do you want to know a sign of a true revival? It's not when a whole bunch of gold dust starts, praise God for the gold dust. But it's not going to come with a whole bunch of gold dust coming down and saying, oh, look at the gold dust. Look, people could have gold dust in their hand and still fornicate the next day. You know, you know what a true sign of revival is? Where soccer stadiums and football games have to be turned away because everyone on the street is getting right with God. And they're coming to churches and they're not coming. When the, when the prisons no longer are filled because people are repenting and turning in their heart with God. That is revival. Not a whole bunch of manifestation. Are you ready for this? He said, turn your hearts with me, all your heart, soul, mind, and more, and fasting and weeping and mourning. Look, and you fast forward a couple verses, and look at verse 28. Watch this. Verse 28 in Joel. And it shall come to pass. Say afterwards. Come on, say afterwards. Say afterwards like your mom was about to slap you. <laughs> After what? After what? After the weeping, the fasting, and mourning. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. 
It was come to pass afterwards. See, don't just re- misread that. After what? After we come with mourning. After we come with weeping. After we come for the fact I'm not okay with the distance that I'm at with God. Then I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your son, oh, you're too quiet this morning. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. See, you have to put things in perspective. God is not going to pour out his spirit in a bunch of rebellious Christians. Man, look at all those rebellious Christians. Let's pour out our spirit upon them. They're just so amazingly disobedient. Let's just do it. No, God desires obedience. Just like you desire obedience with your kids. You're, you don't say to yourself, man, I feel so bad for making them, for making them uh, uh, live right and for making them go to bed early. Oh, man, I feel so, I'm such a horrible parent. No, you set the rules and you do it for their, God, for their protection. Do you know that God's rules is not for us to have a boring life? It's for our protection. He loves us. That's why he creates boundaries. Or I saw a meme several years ago where this, the meme said it was a cartoon where this guy, he had a picket fence, and this guy goes, I am tired of all these rules. I'm going to jump over it. And this other guy goes, wait, don't jump. And then in the next slide it goes, it's not a bunch of rules. It's a barrier. And he's falling down on a cliff. God sets up his ways to protect you and I. Come on, I need the worship team to get up here. Glory to God. I want to invite you today. I'm not done, but I want you to invite you today to look at the condition of your heart. Being a revelation of poor spirit produces a response. And that, listen, I mean, call, don't, don't answer. Are you okay with the distance that you have between you and God? Now, we always going to have a, a, a distance. I know that. But if you're intentionally uh, staying away from communion, if you're giving in to compromise, guess what's going to happen? It's going to consume your mind. And by the way, let me give you a little clue. You know how addiction starts? You know how spiritual slavery starts? By neglecting certain things and opening yourself up to other things. That's how it happens. And before you know it, you're like, how did I get so addicted to this? If you are okay with continuing to do your own thing, Continuing to be separated from God, and and again, this is tough, but I'm going to say it, continuing to sin over and over again without any repentance, true repentance, because you hurt the heart of God, then your heart is in a dangerous place. So what causes mourning? Two things. Our own spiritual condition, and the second one we haven't talked about, is the condition of other people causes mourning. Your own spiritual condition and spiritual condition of others. In other words, when is the last time we mourned over the spiritual condition of other people? When is the last time? That doesn't, spiritual mourning doesn't mean that it has to require tears in order for it to be validated. Now, if tears come, that's fine, but it's the heart that God's looking at. You see, when is the last time you looked at someone that's getting on your nerves, and instead of thinking they're getting on my nerves, think, think, wow, they're hurting. Wow, the reason they're getting on my nerves is because deep down inside, they are blind and hurting, and they had stuff happen to them, and so they're doing that to you. When's the last time you said, man, they're, they're really hurting. They're really, they're really in, in, a, in a time with, with, with this area of compromise in their life. Watch this, guys. Do you realize that I read several scriptures about this, and I could not believe what I found in my studies. 
Moses was on the mountaintop, and he was fasting for 40 days. Watch this. This is insane. This is not even in your notes, and it's not even in the scriptures, that I'm, but I may, I may turn to that, Joel, in a second. But I was reading, Moses was up, you know, getting the Ten Commandments, and while the Ten Commandments were being constructed by the Lord, you guys know what happened, right? I couldn't believe it. I mean, here's, here's Israel who saw all these plagues on Egypt, and then the Lord delivered them. And all of a sudden, Moses was taking a long time, and, and, and Aaron, the high priest, didn't even restrain them. See, that, that goes to show you that you could be a mature Christian, and if you're not fresh in your walk with the Lord, you will be deceived to call holy sin and sin holy. So Aaron and all the people, they decided, had a group. You know what? Moses is taking a long time. Let's gather all the gold. Everybody take your gold off. Everybody take your rings off. Why? Well, we're going to molt it in the fire, and we're going to create a golden calf. And once we create a golden calf, we're going to decide that that is the God that led us out of Egypt. If I were to say that to you, you'd be like, you're stupid, Pastor George. What are you talking about? But they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Moses is taking a long time. Maybe he, maybe he's dead. Let's, let's, let, let, you know what that's called? When things are not checked in your heart, they're called idols. And you begin to construct idols in your heart and you convince yourself that it's okay. Hey, watch. But, but here, here's, here's a story that blew my mind. Moses comes out the scene. You know, you don't even have to read the Bible. You just see, you know, the Ten Commandments in the movies. You, you know what happened. He comes in, and he said, those who are on the Lord's side come, and the good old Levites, Levitical priesthood, man, they're so faithful. They come on their side. And all of a sudden, he goes, go ahead and kill everybody that's disobedient, right? Here's here's the thing. Moses goes back to the Lord. I couldn't believe this. And he starts praying to the Lord because of the judgment that's coming for disobedience. He goes, Lord, we have a bunch of hard people here down there. They're rejecting your ways. I know what you want to do. I know you want to judge them. He goes, but please forgive them. And if you don't, take my name out of the book of life. Oh, heck no. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. There's no way. I love you all. But there is no way. There is no way that I'm going to say take my name out if you don't forgive them. No, I'm good with you, God. If if they don't want to repent, don't take my name out. He goes, if you don't. If, if you don't listen to me, take my name out of the book of life because of them. He's mourning for them. He's mourning. Watch. This wasn't in my notes. Exodus 32. Joel, if you could turn to Exodus 32. Are you getting something this morning? Exodus 32. Ooh, I, have, I still have a big punch to give you at the end here. Seriously, I feel the Holy Spirit. Exodus 32, look at verse 30. Look at verse 30. Exodus 32, look at verse 30. So you won't think that I'm just making this up. And you can read it on your own time. Exodus chapter 32 or 30. Okay, here it goes. Watch this. It came to pass on the next day. This is right after the calf incident. And he's up in the mountain. He came to watch this. That he said to the people, that Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin. Watch. So that now I will go up to the Lord, perhaps I make atonement for your sins. When's the last time you mourned over the condition of somebody else? I have to admit, Lord, work on me. Right? Now watch this. The first 31. That's, this is when I said, oh, uh, 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 uh. Look at 31. 
Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Watch. Yet now, if you forgive their sins, but if not, I pray, blot me out from your book, which you have written. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, wait. Do you, do you see that? Because he understood the heart of God that deep down inside, he didn't want to release judgment on them. But because of their disobedience, he prayed. It's funny because in the next verse, God says, on who sins against me, I will go ahead and do that. Go, go to the next verse. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now, that's Old Testament. We know we have a great high priest who's, who's, who's our mediator and has gone before us. And we don't have to sacrifice lambs and goats anymore. We just have to repent. Because he said when it is, he didn't say on the cross to be continued. He said it is finished. It's finished. That means come to me. I paid the price, the ultimate price for your sin. Come to me and admit that you're not right with God. And turn to me with fasting, weeping, and mourning. And then times of refreshing will come. That's what mourning is. It's a response. Say a response. Now, I saved the best for last. Because, I want you to, if your seatbelt hasn't been buckled, you're, now you're going down in the roller coaster now. There is a difference between godly mourning or godly sorrow and worldly sorrow and worldly mourning. There's a difference. Put that slide up there. There's a difference between God. No, I just got so excited I probably pushed it off. Okay. Worldly mourning produces spiritual death. But godly mourning produces salvation that leads to life. Now watch this. You say, Pastor George, what is worldly mourning? And what is godly mourning? I hinted on that a couple of moments ago. Worldly mourning is basically saying, I'm sorry because I got caught. I'm sorry because now I've been identified that I did the wrong thing. I'm sorry because I got caught in gossip, so I'm sorry. But no, the whole time while you're gossiping, you're not saying this is hurting the heart of God. You're only repenting because someone called you out on it. Watch. Godly sorrow is fueled because you realize the heart of God has been hurt by my actions. Are you ready? I'm going to prove it to you. 1 Corinthians. Look at this. First, 2 Corinthians. Sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Oh, this is good stuff. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 9. Look at this. This is good. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to close with this the next five minutes or so. Now I rejoice, Paul the Apostle said, not that you were made sorry. See, God is not saying, I want you to be sorry. No. He goes, I don't rejoice that you were sorry, but that your sorrow led to, come on, shout at me. Your sorrow led to repentance. What, what does that tell me? That means sorrow could lead to not repentance. There's a certain type of sorrow that doesn't lead to repentance. He said, I don't rejoice that you were sorry just for the sake of being sorry. I rejoice that your sorrow led to repentance. Watch this. For you were made sorry in a what? Come on, say that at me. In a what? Not in a condemnational manner. No, you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. Look at verse 10. For godly sorrow produces what? 
godly mourning produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Are you sorry or repentive because it's going to exclude you from a clique of the church? a group of the church or a group of friends? Or are you truly sorry because, you know what? This is a response that I need to get right with God. Listen to me. There is the difference between David and Saul are super dynamic. I, I mean, they both repented, and in the natural, it looks a lot alike. Do you know when someone says sorry? There's only, only God knows the heart, but that's up to you and God. But you're going to get the recompense from you and God, not from the person only. Listen, and the outside, oh, I feel the Lord. On the outside, repentance looks the same. Saul repented from his sins, and so did David. But why then did God keep, uh, keep David in the kingdom and not Saul if they both repented? Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Because when Saul sinned, and you can look it up in 1 Samuel. I don't have time. When, when, God, when Saul sinned against the Lord, he repented first to the prophet, not to God. He repented to the prophet Samuel. He said, oh, Lord, oh, I, I've done wrong because he was rebellious and he didn't do what God said. So he repented. And then he said this, if you would just mind making me look good in front of the elders. Just look at it. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 1 Samuel 16. That all right there, 1 Samuel 15, that chapter, you will see that encounter with Samuel. That Watch this. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is godly sorrow. The prophet came and he said, you know what? God told you to do everything this way and you didn't. And he goes, please forgive me. And God is like, how about me? How about me in this whole equation? And then he goes, hey, I, I kid you not. It's in the scriptures. But because of time, he goes, Honor me in front of the people and make me look in front of the people. There's a difference between wanting repentance because you want to look good in front of people. Now watch. David, I'm going to be very honest here. If you were to compare David's sin with Saul's sin, David's sin was much more grievous. Saul Saul killed 99% of the people. He he kept Agag and and some of the animals alive, and he killed everything else. God told him to kill everybody that was wicked. So he he, he did wrong. But his repentance was godly. It wasn't godly. It was was worldly. David, on the hand, good old boy David who wrote the Psalms, you know what my boy did? David was a liar. You know that in Psalms, he says, deliver me from lying lips. So he had a propensity of lying. And he had a big lust problem that he committed adultery with his right-hand man's wife who was righteous. And then planned him to get drunk so that he could get drunk. And then told his people to kill him so that he could have his wife. And then he had sex with his wife. So he was a murderer and an adulterer. Yet, watch what happened when he was confronted by the Lord. Look at the difference between godly mourning and worldly mourning. Last last scripture. Oh, I feel the Lord. Who feels the Lord in here? Psalm 51. Look at this. Here it is. Here it is. Psalm 51. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Watch this. Watch this. Look at verse 4. Against you, 
God. He's talking to God. He's like, yeah, I, I sinned against him, but I'm talking to you right now. Against you and you alone have I sinned. And I've done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless in your in your Watch this. Jump over to verse 10, and I'm, I'm through with this. Create in me, he's repenting now, a clean heart, he's talking to God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Are you ready for this? Watch this. Do not cast me away from your presence. Watch this. And do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Watch what the, look at the verse 12. We're at the verse 12. Do not cast your, 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 your spirit away from me. Look at the next verse, the very next verse. While he's getting it up there, okay, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Look at the difference. Saul sinned and said, make me look good in front of the people. And God says, your kingdom is being taken away from you. David sinned, murdered, and, and had an adulterous affair with somebody. And he said, I hurt the heart of God. Do not, listen, you could take away my ministry, Lord. You could take away my kingship. Just don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Uh, you, could, you could take away my accolades. You could take away my glory. You could take away my money. Just don't take your Holy Spirit away. Take my ministry. But on the other hand, Saul was like, hey, keep my ministry. I don't care if I've offended you. Just let me keep my leadership status. Today, God is asking you, do you want to come near to the Lord? Have we grieved the heart of God because God has given us a chance to say, you know what? That morning that you feel is good because it's an invitation for you to say, Lord, I've hurt the heart of God. Don't be like Saul that says, I just want to keep on being on the platform. I just want to keep doing this for, 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 the, for the church and, 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 and not address issues that really are hurting the heart of God. Don't be like Saul that says, I repent because I just want a leadership position. Be like David that says, you can strip every leadership position from the kingdom as long as you don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. I want you to stand up right now. Come on. I want you to stand up. I want to open the altars today. I want to open the altars today for us to kneel before the Lord. Those who feel like they have been at a distance with God. I want us to lift up your hands right now to the Lord. Right now, every one of us, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to examine your heart. Right now, we're going to sing this song. And when we sing this song, I want you, in the, in the count of the Lord, if you see like, Lord, I want to get back to a spiritual morning. I truly want to, to mourn over my distance with you. And I want to mourn with my, my compromises. And I want to come before you and say, I've hurt the heart of God. I want to get it right. The altar is going to be open for you. I want you to lift up your hands right now. Come on. Every, all over this place. All over this place. I want you to examine right now. Awakening will come through a spiritual mourning. Blessed are they that mourn. For they shall be comforted. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.